welcome to the Dash Podcast. This is Trey Gamage, and we're switching it up in 2019. The focus is solely on education, and today I have here with me Frederick Cohens, Executive Director of Curriculum and Instruction in Georgetown County. Is that correct? That is correct. All right. Thank you for joining me, Frederick. Um, again, like we said, most school days are pretty busy, but let me go ahead and jump right in because I know that time is valuable. Um, what did you learn about education that you did not know before um, you became a principal or, or now at the district level? What, what have you learned in your 20 years experience as an educator? Well, one of the things that I've learned um, is that education is ever changing. Um, no two days are exactly alike. No two years are exactly alike. Sometimes we um, are going back to things that we previously done um, in the past that we thought were not correct or not the right way to do things. And they're like evolving or revolving back around again. Mm. But that's one of the biggest things that I've learned in education that you always have to be um, flexible and willing to change because things are going to be different. Um, the the way we interact with each other will be different. The way we interact with students will be different. The way we interact with our stakeholders um, will be different. Um, and it's going to vary from area to area as well because I've learned in my experiences as well that um, no two school settings are alike. Right. No two districts are alike. Mm. So you have to be flexible and willing to change in order to meet the needs of your stakeholders and most importantly your students. That's a that's a that's a great point. Uh, how, how do you how do you remain flexible or can you do you think you can point to two or three of those biggest um, times when you had to be flexible throughout your career? Right. Well, I think one of the, um, well, in the classroom, of course, you always have to be flexible because um, when you're teaching um, on a day to day basis, you have to be willing to um, adjust your teaching strategies or instructional strategies or lesson plans to actually meet the needs of the students that you're serving. So that's, you know, um, one at a time that you're going to have to be mm. most flexible is when you're in the classroom. But when you're in an administrative role, you're going to have to be flexible as well because situations arise and it can be the same situation, but different dynamics within the situation. So you're going to have to monitor and adjust to make sure that your outcome is going to be the same, but the way you actually handle it may be different. Mm. For example, um, you may be dealing with a first grader that brought something to school that was inappropriate and a 12th grader that brought something to school that is inappropriate. Mm. The way you deal with that is going to be different because of the level of the children. Mm. Mm. That's a great point. That's a great point. So in, in keeping that in mind, uh, you know, for someone like yourself who's been through uh, so many different levels of education from teaching principal, assistant principal, and now the district, um, you know, what, what, why is it so important? Well, let me phrase it this way. Why is it so important for you to be able to give back to the kids that way or to be so flexible? Why not just say, man, I'm, I'm out of education. What do you love about it that makes you continue, um, to work at providing these opportunities for your students? I get up every day um, wanting to come to work. I, of course, I love my breaks like everybody else. But <laughs> when I have to come to work, I am actually excited about coming to work. I think the, the, the knowing that I'm making a difference or we are making a difference collectively is one thing that keeps um, me going or keeps me coming back. Because as you know, um, education is a field where there are not a lot of men in education, especially in elementary education. So it's one of those fields where you um, 
you don't see a lot of people that look like yourself, but you have to keep in mind that you're making a difference to those people that are younger than you that look like you. And hopefully that um, difference will be seen in your interactions with them um, and, and, and just help them to become um, more confident, self-confident and more, um, more, more willing to just be, for lack of a better way of putting it, more willing to see someone positive um, that's not, you know, on the TV screen or mm. on a sports field or, you know, um, making big money, driving fancy cars or things like that. Because while those things are good and nice, but the reality is a lot of us will not make it to those levels. So we need to see someone in a day-to-day atmosphere yeah. that um, actually show us that we can be successful or they can be successful um, without having all that glitz and glamour um, that we see so often and want or or they see and um, they want or desire to have. Yeah, yeah, that that's amazing. Did, did you start, like when you began your career in education, did you start with that mindset that I want people that look like me to see somebody doing what I'm doing? Um, actually, I I had a um, an epiphany around 1997. Actually, I wasn't supposed to be an educator. A lot of people um, assume that because of the things that I've done on this journey. But education wasn't even an option for me. What happened? Um, just for just some background information, my father died um, in 1997, um, and I'm the oldest of four children, and I have a brother that's right under me. And he was having um, a hard time coping with my father's death. He was in fifth grade at the time. And um, I would spend some time in his classroom at school, and he had a male teacher. And that's how I got into education, basically, because I saw the difference that he was making in the children's life at that time. And I wanted to do the same. So I switched from Mm. hotel, restaurant, and tourism administration and and decided to become an an educator. Mm. Hmm. So you saw him making a difference in your brother's life? Or, yeah, or? the children absolutely loved him. Okay. And um, I'm not trying to be sexist or anything, but there's a difference in a male teacher's classroom and a female teacher's classroom. Um, you know, males are a little bit more relaxed when it comes to um, their classroom environment or structure, which a lot of people, especially males, totally, um, they sort of lean towards that. Because um, that's the way they actually learn. They right. learn in your traditional structured setting, so to speak. So, um, and that's the kind of environment that he provided, and that's the kind of environment I provided, and that's mm. the kind of environment I know not just males at this point, but a lot of children thrive in. Um, they want the flexibility of moving around the classroom. They don't want to be sitting in rows. They want the the technology gadgets and all of those stuff to be interfaced in their classroom. So they can get a true um, learning experience, but also enjoy school as well. Okay, yeah, that that makes that makes absolute sense. And I'm gonna touch on um, one piece too. I think one, I you know, my condolences, you know, for from your father's passing, this sometimes the most painful uh, situations turn into the most purposeful moments. And I think that's that's what this podcast is, is predicated upon, is how to make pain your platform for purpose. So that's um, tilling the fact that that's kind of, you know, how one of those, I'm sure, was one of the most devastating moments um, became a, a, a light to that shines and gets you to where you are um Right now, so so tell me, Frederick, what is it that you do to prepare students for success in the world that we live in today? 
Well, currently, um, in my current role, I do a myriad of things. But what I love doing more so than anything else is helping principals, assistant principals, and our instructional coaches actually um, strategize um, their, um, I guess their, I guess the best way to put it, their day-to-day life so that they can best meet the needs of the students that they're serving. Um, we do a lot with um, working on um, on interventions and um, lesson planning and um, using our strategic plans and school renewal plans to make sure that they're not just desk um, desk objects. They're actually livable um, livable documents that we can actually utilize on a day to day basis to make sure that we're meeting the needs of all of our students, regardless of their socioeconomic background regardless of their gender or race or what happened. Wow. That's a that's a pretty tall task. It is. That's it's a really- an awesome task, but I have to say that I work with some of the best people that there are in education. Hmm. And I'm not just saying that just to be saying it. Our principals in the county that I work in are very, they are truly instructional leaders. Mm. They're not just your administrative type principals that deal with the administrative tasks of running a building. They are knowledgeable about best practices in education. They're knowledgeable about what it takes for students to actually learn. They are knowledgeable about um, about the, the developmentally appropriate practices that are needed. Um, they know that there's a difference between kindergarten and fifth grade. I mean, it it, it's it's a good place to work. Yeah, yeah, that's 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 always a great thing, and I think that there's a teacher shortage. I don't know that that necessarily means the same thing for principals, but that's that's always important to have because it's it's a trickle down effect, right? You yes. you end up yeah. teaching what you are. Uh, I believe it's right. the, the heart of the teacher from Parker J. Palmer. We, we teach who we are. And yep. what you give to those students, they're going to give right back to you in a lot of way. And same exactly. as administrators, what you what you give to your teachers and your staff and faculty, they're going to give back to you. So that's that's a big deal. What how, how many how many principals and assistant principals? How many people are you working with on a on a daily or monthly annual basis? Whichever one makes the most um, sense. I have ten um, elementary and middle schools that I work with. Um, I also work with um, our Montessori charter school, and in those buildings, of course, you have the, the principals, the assistant principal, and of course, the um, the reading coaches as well. Mm, okay. And the teachers too. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. So, what does and I know two days don't look the same. What what strategies do you guys use to help keep your students in the classroom? Well, one of the best ways that, and we preach this all the time, in fact, last school year, um, um, it was sort of our overarching theme. We sort of have a theme every year, but last school year, our um, theme was building relationships um, one-to-one. Um, and then this year, we just took it up to building relationships squared because we still wanted to continue with that. And the reason why that's such a, um, a an overarching thing, because if you don't have a relationship with children, then of course, they're not going to stay in your classroom. Um, and they're going to be disruptive or they're going to be cause problems or issues um, that that are not necessarily problems or issues, but things that could have been avoided if, if, 
taking the time to actually build a relationship with him, her, and his or her family as well. Uh, that, that's that, that's amazing. I think my, my background is in psychology, and I, I didn't know I was going to be an educator either. I thought I was going to be um, a psychologist or some kind of businessman, but what, what stood out to me most was communication. And my first journey coming out of college, I was in student affairs, working residence life, and was also working to be a speaker, a motivational speaker, and was in Toastmasters, participated in the World Championship of Public Speaking in 2016. But what I found was as that ability to communicate mm-hmm. and to talk to people. And, and there's the golden rule says treat people how you want to be treated, but there's a platinum rule that says treat people the way that they want to be treated. And so in that classroom, when it's such a dynamic environment and dynamic personalities, that's of the utmost important. If you don't know who you're talking to, you're not going to know how to talk with them. Exactly. Exactly. And we have students in our area that come from various backgrounds, from various needs. Um, um, and it's important to realize that's, that's only a small piece of who they are mm-hmm. because no one no one, um, you know, no one is, is going to, um, how would I say it? No one is, we can't, affect, we can't, um, we can't change the way that we were born or what we were born into. We can only actually provide opportunities for them to not stay in the cycle or repeat that cycle in which they were born or born into. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that, that's a, that's amazing. There's, some of those things just they just stick, you know, nature and nurture and it's 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 really it's really both. You know, I, and that's one of the things that I also learned as a speaker and um you're helping bring this out of me, so that's pretty cool as well. But as a speaker I always wanted to speak to youth, high school, middle school, college, but I realized that that thirty minutes is 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 great. You know, we can we can really feel motivated in that 30 or 45 minutes, but motivation doesn't always last. So to take it deeper, um, I wanted to be a consultant and start to work with these teachers and start to work with the principals because that's who's going to be with a child a third of the day every day for 180 days a year. So if we can make an impact on the teachers or the administrators, then the students are really feeling that impact. And and, and that's what what makes a big difference. So that's cool. I'm with you there. How or what training resources or or training or resources do you guys use to help your teachers build those relationships or or provide that support for classrooms? We do a lot with um, um, modeling. We don't, of course, as with any other district, you know, sometimes we're financially strapped for things. So we don't usually bring our um, teachers in or um, send our teachers out to things. We usually just do a lot with people like yourself who can actually come to us and actually um, actually build upon, build upon what we've already established. We do a lot with meeting with our teachers and guidance counselors and school psychologists, whomever, just to make sure that we um, that collaborative discussion is ongoing. Okay, that's 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 impactful. Um, well, that's necessary. How do your how do your teachers typically take to it? Um, they well for the last couple of years, believe it or not, we've been missing a lot of days due, due to inclement weather and mm-hmm. having to make up on a lot of the days we had set aside 
for um, um, staff development, but they do a pretty good job um, with it. One of the things I know in our middle schools in particular, they are big on capturing kids' hearts, um, which is a national program that they utilize in their um, space, but I'm not really um, um, abreast of all the things that they do with that. I do know one of our middle schools was recently honored for their efforts in capturing kids' hearts, but, um, but I do know that we do a lot with, with bringing our teachers together and modeling, like I said before, how you best build relationships with, with students through community circles, community discussions, providing opportunities for children to get up in front of class and share, um, and things of that nature, mm. especially at the elementary level. Yeah, for sure. And, and do you, let me see, in the perfect world, and, and I don't know, if, what are your top three uh, obstacles, if you will, your biggest obstacle that you guys are trying to push past as a district? Okay. I would say the first and the biggest thing is legislation. Mm. Um, there are a lot of um, unfunded mandates that are placed on schools and school districts um, that we have to, you know, we have to comply with them. Otherwise, we will be negligent in um, doing our part to make sure that those legislative acts or actions are actually carried out. Mm. Um, but we are told a lot um or we're given a lot of things by um, legislators to actually do, um, but we're not given the funds to actually do the whip. That would be the biggest um, thing that mm. I I would see um, in the school district or in schools all over. Yeah. You know, just ha- not having the funds to do all of the things that you want to do or could do to meet the needs of all of your students. How, how does that trickle down to from the district to the schools to the teachers to the students? Well, um, for example, we have, um, we're working, we're creating a plan, an MTSS plan, a multi-tiered plan for interventions for, um, for our school district, which is something that is mandated for the um, next school year. What we're doing right now is because our schools are different, we're trying to get, um, compile, um, complete inventories of what each school has at its disposal. Um, to make sure that we can come up with a comprehensive plan, a district plan that would address the needs of all schools. Mm. And I say that to say this because schools are different and some of our schools are Title I funded schools and some are not. So some are going to have more resources than others. So those schools that don't have the resources as the other schools have, we're going to have to have, find some way to come at the medium to make sure that the same opportunities as school wow. A are available as school B. Wow. And, and so are the main are the main resources the financial ones or are they um, in terms of well, facilities and, the things and that have to be purchased? Yes. OK. Um, for example, if we needed more personnel, that would be a financial thing. If yeah. we needed more interventionists, that would be a financial thing. And um, of course, you know, I would say school A, which may be a title one school, may have a little bit more leverage because they have funding at their disposal that they mm-hmm. can use to help offset something. But if school B doesn't have any monies coming in and relying on us as a district to give them out, that's where the discrepancy comes in. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah, that's a lot. So what what is, in, in your ideal world, what does um, your funding look like or what does your school district look like? I think we do a great job with the resources that we have. Now, I'm not saying that we couldn't be doing 
better, but we do with what we have, we utilize it effectively and efficiently. Um, and that's just that's just how how it is because we there's we're, we're using what we have. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, and that's that's all you really can do. Right. Um, is there anything in that MTSS plan? So that's that's primarily for your student behavior, correct? Um, academic and social and emotional. Academic and SEL. Okay. Mm-hmm. And that's for all of the. You said you said ten elementary and middle schools. Do you have high yeah, schools as well? District wide from grades. Um, well, we start with child development through twelfth grade. Okay. Okay, through 12th grade. Gotcha. Um, that makes sense. And so that plan that you guys are building is, is one, um, that's a large plan for the district or is right. that individual to each of these schools? It's, um, we're taking the individual pieces to build the district plan. So okay. what, like one of the things that I just sent out this morning, I need to know from our principals what do they what do they currently have as academic interventions and what do they currently have as social and emotional interventions within their space once we can pile that then we'll start drafting what we what it should like from the look like from the district okay now, what we're going to provide is going to be a framework but with the understanding that if you have additional resources at your individual level we're providing the framework, but you can insert whatever you have at your individual level into this plan as well. Okay. And I think we've got we've finally come to a place where we realize that schools are different and yeah. their needs are different. Yeah. Uh, so w- what we may be offering, you may not need, but this is something that what because we have a lot of transient students as well, especially with um certain populations. We want when that when that student leaves from school A and goes to school B, that those same opportunities, the basics are there. Gotcha. The same. Gotcha. Gotcha. So they'll have a. It'll be the district will kind of be like a large community. You got your local community individual, but you've got you've got the framework um, to work. It's up to the schools how to implement that. Okay. What are some of the basic? Um, behavior tools and interventions that you that you're pretty sure that most of your schools have or use. That's one of the things that, um, honestly, and I guess you're hearing this first, um, that is a need for our district. We don't have in regard. We have done a lot building academic interventions. We have not done a great job with behavioral and social interventions. Okay. Um, okay. We have some schools that. Um, of course, you've heard of PBIS and things of that nature, but we've been doing it for so long that it's become more of an incentive for children and not correcting behavior. Mm. Mm. Okay. That's big. And what are, so, I mean, so you're in the stage right now, you're in the process now of, of figuring out what people have so you can disseminate what yes. your plan is going to be yes. moving forward. Yes, sir. Okay. And, and that's a mandated. Um, that's that's a piece yes. of legislation. Twenty twenty one, um, nineteen twenty. Excuse me. Um, each district, according to the state, is supposed to have um a um a MTSS plan for their district. Okay, okay. In your so, and and we'll we'll end it on this positive note. And and you guys are working on this. Um, obviously, right now, what do you what do you envision this looking like next year? How do you see? Um, this plan and, and what you guys are putting together as a district 
positively impacting uh, Georgetown County? I think, for, and nothing more, I think a common plan, a common language, and a common understanding across the district. That's what I think is going to be the biggest thing that comes from this initially, because we have so many fragmented pieces um, that, you know, there are so many different moving parts, and the parts aren't equaling a whole. So even if we just start the year off by having a common language and common understanding about academic interventions mm. and about social and emotional interventions, that's, that's going to be a positive start yeah. initially right off the bat. For sure. Everybody has to be on the same page. Right. I love it. I love it. Well, thank you, Frederick. Is there anything else that you want to add or anything that I'm missing um, before we end this episode? No, I just want to thank you for this opportunity. Um, it's always good to speak um, about um, the good things that are happening in education, the struggles that are happening in education. Yeah. Yeah. And, and to let the public know that basically, um, even though we, um, you know, education always seems to be the bottom in South Carolina. There are good things that are going on in South Carolina. Um, of course, um, everyone knows our standards are a little bit more rigorous than other states. And that's the reason why we probably are always at the lower end of the total pool when it comes to um, ranking us um, in comparison to our neighbors. But there are good things happening in education in South Carolina. For sure. And I think you're a great example of that, Frederick. And I, I see you post frequently um, on LinkedIn and social media. Um, and, it, and it's a joy to see what you guys are doing and how much pride that you take in the work that you're doing yeah. on a day to day basis. We have to be our own cheerleaders. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. And I hope some more people will continue to cheer forward for you. Um, if you're listening, thank you very much. I hope you enjoy the show. And we will see you next time. This is The Dash.